This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin tonight by listening to The Sealed Book. That was a radio series of mystery and terror tales produced and directed by Jock McGregor for the Mutual Network. Now, each week, after the sound of the great gong, host Philip Clark observed that the mysteriously silent keeper of the book has opened the ponderous door to the secret vault wherein is kept the great sealed book in which is recorded all the secrets and mysteries of mankind through the ages. Here are tales of every kind, tales of murder, of madness, of dark, strange deeds, and terrible beyond all belief. Here we go with the episode, The Hands of Death. <laughs> the Sailor Book Once again, the keeper of the book is ready to unlock the ponderous volume in which is recorded all the secrets and mysteries of mankind through the ages. All the lore and learning of the ancients, all the strange and mystifying stories of the past, the present, and the future. of the book. What tale will you tell us this time? First, 
I must unlock the great padlock which keeps the sealed book safe from prying eyes. <laughs> now, what story shall I tell you? I have here tales of every kind. Tales of murder, of madness, of dark deeds, and of events strange beyond all belief. <laughs> there. Now let me see. Yes. Yes. Here's a tale for you. A dark story of two brothers. One of them killed because he could not help himself. The other one was interested in murder, too, but in a very different way. The title of the tale is The Hand of Death. <laughs> Here is the tale as it is written in the sealed book. It began in San Francisco on a night of thick, suffocating fog. A young man hurrying homeward turns a corner and bumps abruptly into a huge figure striding toward him. Oh, oh. oh excuse me. Fog is so thick I didn't see you. It's all right. Uh, tell me, do you live here? Hmm? Here in San Francisco? Why? Well, yes, I do. Do you know where Edward Morlock lives now? Why? No, I... No, I never heard of him. Now, if you'll excuse uh, me, but... Wait. But I, I've really got to get home and... I just want a light from your cigarette. Oh, of course. Here, I'll hold it for you. Uh, just hold it like that. <laughs> what is it? What's the matter? Nothing. It, it's nothing. It's my hands, isn't it? They frightened you. No, no, it's it, it's nothing. My hands, they disgusted you. No, no, of course not. They frightened you because they're not like other people's hands. No, 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 no let go of me. I assure you that... I, you I would, thought I was a freak. Let go of me. You're crazy. You, I'm not crazy, do you hear? I'll show you. No, no. I'll show you. <laughs> Phantom Strangler is at work in San Francisco. <laughs> Jennings will be interested in that. I beg your pardon, <laughs> Mr. Morlock. Huh? Oh, yes, Jennings? Uh, the postman just brought this package, sir. Oh, package, eh? Give it to me. Yes, sir. Now wheel me over to the window. Of course, sir. Ah, this is close enough, Jennings. Uh, this package, I suppose you noticed it came from my agent in New York? Yes, sir, I did. Then perhaps you can guess what's in it. Hey, Jennings. No, sir, but I have no doubt it's another nice addition to your collection of objects of having to do with famous murders, sir. <laughs> yes, indeed, a nice addition. But speaking of murders, uh, have you seen this morning's San Francisco paper yet? No, sir. Well, look at these headlines. Uh, read them out loud. Playboy murdered in fog. 
Phantom Strangler breaks victim's neck. <laughs> then he's back. Your brother Kane is back. Yes, back in San Francisco, looking for me. And he'll keep looking for you. And if he finds you, he'll kill you. Yes, he's dedicated his life to that purpose. And all because he feels I cheated him out of his share of the money our father left us. Oh, it's a great pity. Yes, sir. Of course, we know the truth. Quite so. As you say, we know the truth. However, I hardly think Kane will find me here. No, sir. So we'll forget about him. Uh, Jennings, tomorrow afternoon, a neighbor is dropping in for tea. A neighbor, sir? Yes, Inspector Tennant, the head of the local police force. He's coming to view my little collection. Of course, sir. He may bring a friend with him. So have plenty of everything? Yes, sir. Well, that's all. What are you waiting for? Excuse me, sir, I... I wanted to speak to you about this check you gave me yesterday for my month's salary. Well, what about it? It's for the usual 500, isn't it? Yes, sir, but uh, you see, Mr. Morlock, I, I've been thinking in these times I ought to have more. More? Just how much do you consider your services worth, Jennings? Shall we say a thousand a month? A thousand a month? It's quite reasonable, I think. After all, if I were to tell the authorities all I know about your father's will, and how it happened that the entire fortune came to you and none to Kane. Never mind, I... Jennings. I'll make out another check. Thank you, sir. But be careful you don't drive me too far. Or you may regret it. Oh, I think I'll be safe enough, Mr. Morlock. After all, confined to that wheelchair as you are, you need me. That's enough. You'll get your check later. Yes, sir. Very good, Mr. Morlock. Mm. So you're getting greedy, are you, Jennings? I must find some way to discourage you. Yes. Some way to discourage you. <laughs> Edward Morlock, the strange crippled collector of murder relics, enjoyed himself thoroughly playing host to police inspector Tennant and Mr. Norman Smith, a criminologist friend of his. He began by showing them his latest acquisition, the one that had come by mail just the day before. And uh, now, gentlemen, look. Cashmere shawl. Yes, but no ordinary cashmere shawl. Until last month, it was owned by two very old sisters who lived in a dingy house in Baltimore. In Baltimore? Yes. You mean that's the shawl? Exactly, gentlemen. That's the shawl with which the two old ladies were strangled by a sneak thief. Well, I'll be darned. It's a prize worthy even of my collection, which is, I flatter myself, the most complete of its kind ever assembled. Funny hobby, I'd call it. <laughs> Every man to his taste, Inspector. Murder is your business, but it's my hobby. Now, if you'll just pull back those curtains there, the rest of my collection is on the shelves behind them. These curtains? That's right. <laughs> well, I'll be jiggered. <laughs> this is most interesting, Mr. Morlock. Yes, I knew you'd think so. Look there on the wall. An authentic headsman's axe. It was used in the brutal murder of the Baron de Morley, uh, an ancestor of mine in the 15th century. And right there below it is the bloodstained dress worn by one of the victims of Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper. 
And on the next shelf, you see... And so there, gentlemen, you have the highlights of my collection. How do you like them? Well, if that's the sort of thing you're interested in, I'll say your collection does seem complete. It is indeed. In fact, there's really nothing missing except perhaps a murderer and a victim. What did you say? That the only thing missing from your collection is a murderer and a victim. (laughs) The most interesting thought, Mr. Smith. And after all, why not? Why not what? Oh, excuse me, Inspector. I was just thinking out loud. Oh. Well, I'm afraid we got to go now, Morlock. Hey, Smith? Yes, you're right, Inspector. It's been a great pleasure having you, gentlemen. And I do hope you'll call again. Yes, Mr. Morlock, you rang. Yes, Jennings. Before you help me to bed, I want you to mail these letters. Yes, sir. They are to major newspapers in San Francisco and contain a message to be inserted in their personal columns. A message? Yes, to my brother, Kane. We used to communicate this way in the past. But, uh, what... uh, here is a copy of the message. You may read it. If the gentleman with the unusual hands will visit his brother in Santa Villa, he will learn something to his advantage. <laughs> You're inviting him here? Exactly. You've decided to play safe, to trap him and turn him over to the police? Oh, 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 oh. oh, that's clever of you, Jennings. Yes, very clever. But you've already proved you're clever, haven't you? Now just take these letters out and mail them, and soon, quite soon, I think, we shall be seeing my dear brother Kane again. <laughs>
now for the rest of my story, The Hands of Death, as it is written in the sealed book. After Edward Morlock had put into effect his plan to bring his brother Cain to him, he sat in his wheelchair and waited, seeming much amused at some secret thought of his own. One day passed, then two, then three, and then the newspapers carried strange new headlines. Read all about it. Phantom Strangler in Los Angeles. Extra read all about it. <laughs> so Brother Kane was in Los Angeles last night, Jennings. He's getting closer. I shouldn't be surprised if he arrived here tonight. I, I don't like it. Oh, nonsense, Jennings. You know you've got nothing to fear from Kane. Unless, of course, you're so careless as to make some remark about his hands. I know, but he intends to kill you. I think I'll be able to control him. I want you to bring me a glass of milk. Cain is very fond of milk. Glass of milk? With a triple dose of sleeping powder in it. But I don't understand... Never mind, just do as I say. What's that? I imagine that's Cain now. Cain! Here, already? Quick. I'll let him in. You get that glass of milk ready. And bring it in when I ring. Yes, sir. When you ring, sir. Oh, come in, Kane. I've unlocked the window. Yes, I'll come in, Edward. Now that I've found you at last. Well, I'd hardly say you found me, Kane. Uh, I sent for you. It's the same thing. Now I'm where I can put my hands around your throat at last. I'm going to kill you. Do you hear? Kill you. Kane, sit down. And what? Sit down. I want to talk to you. All right, I'll sit down, but you can't change my mind. Tell me, Kane, how many people have you killed since you got out of the penitentiary? Seven. Seven murders? They looked at my hands. They were disgusted. I didn't kill them. My hands did. You hear? I didn't want to kill them. But my hands killed them anyway. I, of course, I understand. Your hands. Your great-grandfather had hands like yours, you know, Kane. Don't talk about it anymore. Of course not, Kane. But you must be hungry. I'll ring for Jennings. He'll fix something for you. Yes, I am hungry. But please, Kane, don't startle the poor fellow. You know, he's very much afraid of you. Why? Why is he afraid of me? It's your hands. He says they give him nightmares. My hands give him nightmares? Oh, you mustn't blame him, Kane. He can't help it. My hands give him nightmares. Yes, sir. I've brought you a glass of milk, Mr. Morlock. My hands frighten Oh, thank you, Jennings. Uh, just put it down here. Yes, sir. Uh, why are you looking at me like that, Jennings? I'm not looking at you, Mr. Kane. You're looking at my hands. They upset you. They give you nightmares. No, 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 Mr. Kane. That's not true. I'll show you. I'll give you a reason to be afraid of my hands. Mr. Morlock, help me. I'll no. show you. I'll Let show you. Let go. You're you. kidding. Help. There. That'll teach you to be afraid of my hands. You can let him go now, Kane. He's dead. 
And my hands, they've killed again. Yes, he's dead. Oh, you've been very wicked, Cain. I didn't want to kill him. My hands did it. My hands, you hear? You must be quiet now, Cain. You must rest. I didn't want to kill him. Here, drink this milk. Then lie down and rest for a while. We'll talk some more in the morning. All right. I'll drink it. I'll take care of everything. That's right, Kane. Lie back and sleep. Sleep soundly. <laughs> so you'd blackmail me, would you, Jennings? And you'd kill me, would you, Kane? But I've been too clever for both of you. <laughs> Hello. Hello, police headquarters. Connect me with Inspector Tennant, please. I want to report a murder. And so, there you are, Inspector. Kane was in the penitentiary for assault with intent to kill. Apparently, he escaped since then. He's been seeking for me meaning to kill me. Good heavens, Morlock. Then he's the strangler who's been doing all these killings. Yes, I'm afraid so. Oh, and I never guessed until he showed up tonight to kill me because he thought, you see, quite wrongly that I had cheated him of his inheritance. Jennings bravely came to my rescue and Kane throttled him. Then I tricked Kane into drinking some drugged milk and... Well, there you are. But why, man? Why? Why did he kill all these people? Because of his hands. His hands? Well, you saw his hands. Tremendously strong. Not hands at all, really, but more like demon's claws. Kane is morbidly sensitive about his deformity. When he feels someone is frightened by his hands, he kills them. Just like that. It's a good thing we got him at last. You can take him along now quite safely. But be sure to keep him well locked up, Inspector. And don't let anyone get within reach of his hands. A few weeks later, Kane Morlock entered the lethal chamber of the state penitentiary. Edward Morlock, the condemned man's invalid brother, was one of the few spectators. Kane Morlock, with his last breath, cursed his brother and swore that someday he would be avenged. Then he died. The following day, Inspector Tennant and his friend Norman Smith paid Edward Morlock another visit. Oh, good evening, Inspector and Mr. Smith. It's very kind of you to stop by tonight. We dropped in to see how you were making out, Mr. Morlock. Thought maybe, what with your trip yesterday and the shock, that perhaps... Oh, no, 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 I'm quite all right, thank you. What must be, must be. You see, I'm a philosopher. You have somebody looking after you? Yes, Philippe. A Filipino boy is taking poor Jennings' place. Oh, and uh, gentlemen, that reminds me. 
I have something here that will interest you. Mm-hmm. Something that'll interest us? Yes, here on the table beside me. Uh, this jar. Oh, a burial urn, isn't it, Mr. Morlock? Exactly. And in this burial urn are the ashes of poor murdered Jennings. Jennings' ashes? Yes. You mean you're going to keep them with you? But of course, gentlemen. I was very fond of Jennings, very fond. What more fitting than that I should keep his ashes to remind me of his years of faithful service. Besides, well, I can always look upon them as part of my little collection. Your collection? Yes, Inspector. It was Mr. Smith here who pointed out that complete as it was, it lacked both a murderer and his victim. Well, here are the ashes of the victim. Great heavens. That's (laughs) rather a unique item, Mr. Morlock. Yes, indeed, and I any collector would be proud of. But the really choice addition to my collection is here in this box, which just arrived. Uh, would you care to look at it, gentlemen? What in the world? Oh, now you needn't guess. <laughs> I'll lift the lid and... Uh... See. Merciful heavens. A pair of hands. The hands of your brother Cain. Exactly. I can't believe it. But what is so strange about it, gentlemen... There are the ashes of a murder victim. Here are the unique and terrible hands that throttled him. Where in all the world will you find a collector who can boast such items as these? You must be mad. (laughs) Morlock, did you plan all this from beginning to end? Plan it, Mr. Smith. But how could I? You're quite mad. We could never prove it. You could prove nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Inspector, I think we'd better go. Yes, Come on, let's get out of here before I do something I'd regret. Call again any time, gentlemen. <laughs> Easily upset, weren't they, Kane? Upset by your hands, your great, strong hands that are going to become the prize items of my little collection. The distorted hands of a murderer. Ooh, how cold they are. And yet I can almost feel the murderous strength in them still. You wanted so bad that you close your hands about my throat, didn't you, Cain? But it's too late now. You're dead. And your hands are dead, too. Lifeless. Would you like to see how your hands look at my throat here? I'll place them there for you. See how nicely they fit around my neck. Just as if they... No! Go with me. Your hands, they're choking me. I, I can't breathe. I... Morlock, what is it? Where are you? Inspector, look. They're, they're on the floor. Good Lord. It's Morlock. And no. No, it can't be. His brother's hands are clutched around his throat. They've strangled him. <laughs> And that is the story of the hands of death as it is written in the sealed book. Edward Morlock was quite dead when they found him with his brother's severed hands about his throat. But they called his death heart failure. For who would believe that two dead hands by themselves could wreak the vengeance that Cain Morlock swore to have before he died? (laughs) 
then perhaps it was heart failure. <laughs> perhaps Edward Morlock, thinking he felt the hands move, died of sheer terror. <laughs> You'll have to decide for yourself which is true. The answer is not written here. But the sound of the great gong tells me I must lock the book once again. One moment, Keeper of the Book. What story from the sealed book will you tell us next time? Next time? <laughs> Are you sure you want to know? Perhaps my next story will be about you. For I have here all the stories that ever happened, and many that have not yet come to pass. But I'll find one for you in just a moment. And now, Keeper of the Book, have you found the story that you'll tell us next time? Yes, yes, I found one. It's a story about a man who found the secret of immortality, of life everlasting, and how he tried to use it to make himself master of the earth. The title of the tale is The King of the World. Be sure to be with us again next time. And the great gong heralds another strange and exciting story from... <laughs> the Sealed Book. The Sealed Book, written by Bob Arthur and David Cogan, is produced and directed by Jock McGregor. Well, after that, I think we need a lot of laughs. We're going to get them from Red Skelton, who's on his way to traffic court next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Red Skelton and a program first heard in 1947. It's Moisturize, the new, all-new, Rolly 903 cigarette. Listen. That jet of fresh, pure moisture stands for the new, different, moisturized Rolly 903. New blend, new taste, new freshness. It's the new, all-new, moisturized Rolly 903. Pleasure to bring you Metro Golden Mayor's popular comedian and the star of our Raleigh cigarette program, Red Skelton. Thank you very much and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, Mr. Raleigh walked in tonight, seen he's got a towel over his arm, and I says, What's that for? He says, Everybody I meet says, How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Red, 
Do you know what today is? Yeah, it's Tuesday, isn't it? Or did I get up for nothing? Well, today's April Fool's Day. Yeah, today I feel legal, you know. <laughs> did anybody play a trick on you? Yeah, when I woke up this morning, I start unra- started unwrapping a big package. Well, what was in it? Me. <laughs> You know, I haven't seen you around Reuben's Market lately. How come? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's because I haven't been down there. <laughs> There's brilliant new material. <laughs> it's jokes like that that's going to put me back at O'Connor and White Shoe Factory. <laughs> hey, we may stay on for the summer, you know. With material like this, we leave the audience cold, you know. <laughs> Say, we've been doing retakes on Merton of the Movies. Well, what part of the picture are you working on now? The love scenes with Virginia O'Brien. Well, why didn't you do the love scenes right in the first place? I know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, are you convincing as a lover? Yeah, Virginia told me that when it comes to making love, I could teach Gable a thing or two about jujitsu. <laughs> well, what does your director, Richard Thorpe, think about your acting? Well, I'm, I'm, I don't like to talk about things like that. <laughs> Besides, we've got a lot of kids listening. <laughs> Well, I know any picture that he directs will be a hit. Richard Thorpe never misses. You can say that again. I got two teeth missing to prove it. (laughs) (laughs) We've been working nights, you know. Well, I guess it's pretty tough working these cold, rainy nights. Yeah, what's your talk? What's your talk? We never say rain out here. It's merely California shedding a few tears for the bad weather that Florida is having. You know, Mr. Mayor must think a lot of you, Red, with all this work they're doing on Merton of the Movies. Oh, yeah. You must have an awful lot of money tied up in it. Two million dollars, my boy. Including your salary? Uh, no, I forgot that. That makes it two million and ninety-eight cents. <laughs> I work pretty hard out there, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you know how hard I work? How hard? They bid on me three times at Santa Anita at the mayor auction. <laughs> Well, they previewed that picture once. What happened? Wasn't it funny? Funny? My next-door neighbor saw it, and he almost died. Really? Yep. Some popcorn stuck in her throat. Almost <laughs> <took it. laughs> Anita Ellis sings Sunday Kind of Love. Sunday dreaming and all my Sunday scheming 
Sing every minute, every hour, every day. I'm hoping to discover a certain kind of love who will show me the Scrapbook of satire. <laughs> you got something on Patrillo that he let you get away with that? <laughs> Chapter one is entitled Willie Lump Lump in the Traffic Court. Okay, get your hands off of me. <laughs> Where's the police commissioner? I'll have every one of you cops locked up. Here, order in the court, order. It must be something new. I'll have a ham sandwich. Oh, why don't you stop making a nuisance of yourself? Look, my beautiful specimen of undeveloped seaweed. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you sitting in the backseat telling me how to drive all the time. Bring this man back here tomorrow. You'll see me today. How do you feel? Oh, no, you don't. I'm wise to you, Bird. A judge once asked me, how do you feel? I said, fine. He said, ten dollars. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. What are you charged with? Oh, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> What's your name? Wouldn't tame. Ask me again, I'll tell you something. <laughs> Willie Lump Lump, what's yours? Willie, hmm? your honor, he means no wrong. He, uh, he's just frightened. Oh, no, I ain't. You aren't scared? No. Nope. Willie, look at me. Now I'm scared. <laughs> Will the arresting officer step forward yeah. and state the charge? Yeah, tell him about yes, it. Yes, sir. He resisted arrest, was speeding down a one-way street with no lights on. Yep. You're charged with three violations. What do you have to say? Who do I see about opening a charge account? <laughs> Are you guilty or not guilty? Yes, I am. Yes, you am what? <laughs> you listen to Amos and Andy a lot, don't you? <laughs> I'm either guilty or not guilty. Figure it out for yourself. I ain't no stool pigeon here. <laughs> Just pick up any line and start reading. I don't... 
are you? Guilty or not guilty? I think that's a rather personal question, if you <laughs> How fast was he driving, officer? Tell him, blabbermouth. <laughs> Seven to six. That's the spirit. <laughs> Look, if I was speeding, so was you. Otherwise, you would have never caught me. Now, work your way out of that one. <laughs> Look, you forget your charges against me, and I'll do the same for you, and I'll be on my way. Really, should I call your lawyer Frank Belcher? You will not. I talked to him this morning. He says, I'll go down there with you. I says, no, you won't. He said he was going to get me a suspended sentence. Well, is a suspended sentence bad? Yeah. Uh, do you know what happens when you get a suspended sentence? They hang you, don't they? <laughs> Boy, that's what I like is a courtroom that will applaud. <laughs> Please, Your Honor. Well, really, Willie, Willie's a good man. Yes, I'm a he's, good. He's a close observer of all traffic laws. Oh, stop beating around the bush. Close observer. Why don't you come right out and tell a man I'm nearsighted and get it over? <laughs> You're nearsighted and you drive without glasses, eh? Yep. Now, how far can you see? Pretty good. On a clear day, I can see the sun. <laughs> too fast for him. He didn't even get it. Look, wise guy, in about two seconds, I'm going to wrap this gavel around your neck. Right. Now, how far can you see? About six feet. <laughs> then how do you know where you're going? Just follow the radiator tap. <laughs> what would you do if someone stepped off the curbstone? I'd knock him back on the sidewalk before he got hurt. <laughs> to make him stop driving. Why, last week he went right through a stoplight. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, yes, you did. Oh, no, I didn't. All right, you didn't. Oh, yes, I did. You see, he admits it. Oh, no, I don't. Look, I didn't go through a stoplight, Your Honor. Honor? <laughs> I stopped dead the minute I hit it. You mean you wrecked your car? Not exactly. I always drive around with a motor in my lap. <laughs> well, I find you $100 and sentence you to 90 days in jail. Uh, you're pretty liberal with other people's time, ain't you, old boy? <laughs> Next case. Well, Willie, it's your own fault. Yeah, I know, but I had it coming to me. If I'd have been that judge, you know what I would have done? I'd have sentenced a thoughtless offender like me for a year. You know, I just happened to realize something. I could have been killed. Or I could have killed somebody. You know, driving carelessly and not obeying the laws that protect safety of the lives of other people and your own makes you the same as a criminal that carries a gun and goes out with the intent to kill. And it's the little laws that we break that contribute to the overthrow of our American way of life. I had it coming to me.
Richard Forrester and his Raleigh Cigarette Orchestra play Karaoke. David, you even look like a tamale now, believe me. <laughs> Chapter two is entitled The Great Pie Mystery. Now there's nobody around. Here I is, all alone. The stage is set for catastrophe. I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna call up somebody on the telephone. I'm gonna call up on the telephone. Hello? Hello, operator. Give me uh, ot 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 double ot ot nothing. Why, that's your own number. Well, naturally, I don't want to talk to strangers, you know. What number do you wish, sir? Sure. Oh boy, she think I am a man, boy. <laughs> Look, uh, babe, what you doing tonight, cookie? Nothing. If your mother's going out, I could come by and see that you don't fall out of your cradle. Yeah. <laughs> Look, give me the FBI real quick, will you? 
Hello, this is the office of the FBI. Well, look, uh, I as an honest citizen, I want to tell you where, where you can lay your hands on a whole lot of crooks, a whole gang of criminals. Yes? Where about? Alcatraz. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> now back to me, fleet of boats in the bathtub. I'm going to sail me boats in the bathtub. <laughs> Who left that bar of soap on the floor? <laughs> Uh-oh, the voice of doomsday. <laughs> Here I go, kiddo. Well, what are you up to? Up to me neck. I'm sitting in the bathtub. <laughs> I'm sailing me boat. Junior, have hmm? you seen my new shoes? You mean the submarine? Sub- <laughs> Junior! <laughs> Those things at the bottom of the tub look like my shoes. Well, give them a couple minutes. They won't. <laughs> my Easter shoes are ruined. Aww. Get out of that water. Hmm? Oh, oh. You've got your clothes on. Well, naturally. We get dirty together, we just well get clean together. <laughs> and besides, I gotta wear my clothes. You always sneaking in unexpectedly, goodness. Well, what is this bottle of mercurochrome doing out of the medicine cabinet? I poured it in the tub. I'm sailing on the Red Sea today. <laughs> oh, I've never... Come here to me. No, if I don't... You'll I... get a whipping. Well, and if I do, I get a whipping. Look, kiddo, you're going to have to entice me with a better bargain than that. Really. Get out of that tub. No. I'm going to have to spank you. No, look, Grandma. You spank me, I cry, and then you feel sorry for me, and then you give me a cookie and I eat it. But right now, I have four. So let's just forget the whole thing. Here. Hmm? Get out of those wet clothes. Yes? What's this in your back pocket? The snake. Ooh! Your grandfather's electric razor. Now, what were you doing with that? I'm not going to tell you what I've been doing with the razor. But that naked cat is the weirdest looking thing. (laughs) Here. Put this suit on. No, I'm not going to wear that thing. Don't you like the suit? No, I don't. With that sissy suit, I always has a fight when I wear it. You always get in a fight no matter what you wear, so what's the difference? Plenty. With this suit, I got to fight the little girls, too. <laughs> a blue bow down the front with a big ribbon in the back. I can just see Dickie Olin, you know, and the juvenile jury gang just waiting to take a clink at me as I walk by. Junior. Know? You're not going to let those ruffians bully you. Abraham Lincoln once wore a suit his grandmother made for him, and a group of toughies made fun of him and tried to muss his suit up. But young Abe took care of them. Look, that was a long time ago, kiddo. Just face it, we is living in the bubblegum age, you know. (laughs) Well, that's enough of this foolishness. You sit right here on this table. And I'll tie your shoelaces for you. Yeah, okay. Hey, Nemo, why are you making a hen knot? Oh, I guess I got carried away for a second. <laughs> there. Now, see if you can stay clean for about three minutes. Okay, kid, yo, watch me. I'm going to jump off with the table. No, no, watch don't me. jump. There's a weak spot in the floor. <laughs> Nemo, open the cellar door. Are you all right? No, don't, don't make a fuss. Oh, fight. dear. Now, you now, could don't... have fallen in the hot furnace. No, now, don't get... Oh. I don't care. I wish I had, boy. I would just sit there and barbecued myself, you know. <laughs> I just sit there and baste myself with hot coals, you know. Spit on me to hear me sizzle, you know, I would. I mean, I would wither up and I would... 
Oh, no! <laughs> What's wrong? I scared me, Dad. Bless his little heart. Yeah, bless his little heart. Now, don't cry. Okay. Grandma, I'll give you a nice piece of fresh pie. I get... Pie? Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. I don't think I've got oh, Now, smell them. Mm, yes, it's more Good gorgeous. heavens! Someone has taken a big bite out of the middle of each pie. Now, who would do the thing like that? <laughs> I think I know the answer to mm, that. I think you do, too, so let's just skip it. Junior, mm? look me in the eye. Now, if you're telling the truth, you'll yes? be able to keep looking me in the eye. If mm -hmm. not... You'll have to look down. Mm -hmm. Now, did you touch those pies? No, I did not. And I can see I need a shoe shine, too. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, <laughs> look, Grandma. Now, it must have been an inside job. Look, you better look for some fingerprints. Look for footprints. No, look there for aren't foot any footprints, foot but there are fingerprints. Well, there couldn't be. I wore my catcher's mask. What did you say? <laughs> them pies with the middles, I look like catcher's mitts. Look. Well, if you didn't eat the pies, you're probably hungry for some pies. No, not... So I'll give you a big hunk. A big hunk for her? <laughs> or maybe tomorrow. Uh... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why is your face so green? Watch out, Tommy. Don't give me away, will you? <laughs> look, I think I'm going to go outside and play. Yes. It's very big, isn't it? What's wrong? Hmm? Why do you just stand there looking at it? You know, if whoever ate all that pie was to eat more on top of it, it would make them sick, wouldn't it? It would help. <laughs> and here's some milk. Milk? Oh, no, take it away, take it away. It looks like bleached castor oil. <laughs> now, I don't think I want it. You I think don't... it. Hmm? Milk makes strong teeth. Well, if milk makes teeth strong, why does Grand put his in water every night? Hmm? <laughs> yeah, but uh, what time did old lower plate wobble stagger in last night? Huh? You know them more for them teachy his? That lower plate wobble is affecting his whole body. He just wobble you just stop stalling and eat the pie. Okay. Boy, that's good, eh? Yum, yum. Junior, you've got your mouth full. Now swallow. I did, but this is as far as it goes. <laughs> with your mouth open. I gotta get air, don't I? <laughs> Junior. Junior, you're not eating that pie. Now eat it so I can get you another big piece. I... Mm, another piece? Mm. Junior, mm. why don't you eat? I'm just not hungry, I guess. Why, Junior? Don't stand so close to me, Grandma. <laughs> hey, why are you looking at me like that? Junior, yes? eat all of that pie. I don't want to. You make me eat that pie, I'm going to tell you. You're going you. to tell what? I will tell everybody there used to be tricky finger felt in the shoplifter. Ooh, that was no such thing. Oh, no. Hey, tricky finger, nobody's looking. Grab that vase over there. You grab it. I'm loaded. <laughs> <laughs> I do it again, I can put that old kiddo into saying anything I want to do. <laughs> I'll see you later, Grandma. I'm not very hungry for pie. Junior. Hmm? Eating that pie makes you feel a little guilty, doesn't it? It does. Now, I want the truth, Junior. Did you dig into those pies? I worked hard to bake those pies. Hey, Grandma, why are you holding that pie like that, hmm? Don't you know? 
You look like you're going to smack me in the pistol with it. <laughs> oh, but you wouldn't do the thing like that. You're only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep laughing, kiddo. <laughs> Hey, Grandma, Grandma, now, you're looking funny. What you thinking about, Grandma? What am I thinking he wants to know? Go on, Perla. Smack him in the face with it. He won't cry long. You look funny, Grandma. Then again, he might. Then, then again, I don't know why I'm standing here thinking about it. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Goodness, you, you had to bleed on me. You was about two inches ready to smack me right in the kitchen with that pie. And you had to suck. Goodness, isn't it awful the way the grown-ups pick up things we kids do? We hope you liked our program well enough to do this again next Tuesday night. So until next Tuesday then. This is Red Skelton saying goodbye now. Thanks for listening and thanks for buying Rolling. Good night. Remember, folks, the Greek war relief is worthy of your support. Brown and Williamson invite you to other good listening during the week. Listen to People Are Funny with Art Linkletter next Friday night and join us again with Red Skelton next Tuesday. Red Skelton is heard on this program through the courtesy of Metro-Golden-Mayer. Red Skelton is brought to you by the makers of Rolly Cigarettes. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Voyage of the Scarlet Queen, followed by The Life of Riley. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell, Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.